game. That's all. We are back with another episode. My guy, my guy, Critical Mass is in the building. What's going on, my guy? Where my brother? Just, uh, you know, enjoying another hump day, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had some stuff to take care of earlier, so I'm glad I got it done so I could come home for the last three or four hours and chill. Definitely. Definitely. I've been on first shift this week. Uh, Usually it's a third shift game for me. So me doing this first shift shit kind of got my my sleep scheduled off, but you know it's all good. I get a little nap in when I get in, and then I sleep later on at night so I can get back up and go in there and try to get this week knocked out. Nothing really drastic, just some training and shit. How long will you be on first shift? It's a Friday. That's it. Yeah, it's just I started uh, Monday, Friday my last day. I'm just doing some training. Just picking up some some additional skills because I think we had the conversation before they're about to uh, pivot some of our workload uh, because a lot of the stuff that we used to be in charge of, we kind of like handed it off to the operations side so they could kind of handle some of their own quality issues and we'll take care of the bigger shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we'll quarantine certain material, stuff like that, block some uh, movements on some material. So when material, like, let's say they complete an uh, order if that order's not meeting the standard, we'll block it until they correct it and stuff like that. At first, we was like doing like whole deconstruction testing on materials that they were making and mm. uh, record the data. And uh, now we kind of like handed the deconstruction portion of it off to them because they're the ones making the material. They, they you know, what I'm saying shouldn't change so many hands before it reaches the the, the truck. That's okay. the process behind it. Would you like to be on the operational side? I started in operations um, before I got in the quality on the quality team. I was a manager in operations, and uh, I did the, the manager role for like three years. And uh, I decided to like because I, there's another management role that I want that you know what I'm saying pays substantially more. And I felt like well, the best way to really make myself a, a shoe in for that role, the one that I specifically want, I need to get on the quality team so I could see how the inner workings of that looks. So now that I've been in this department as long as I have, I think I'm pretty much aware of what it is I need to know and what I need to do to kind of get that role. So they put you on there for a week and then you just learn whatever it is you need to learn and then you're back to your normal routine? Yeah, I go back to my shift and I bring those skills to my shift and kind of like roll out. Because what it is, man, it's like a lot of, there's a lot of little minutia. It's a lot of details that go into what we do because of what we're making. So like for me, my responsibility will be now since I'm not doing so much deconstruction on that end, I'm doing a lot of validation testing now. So what it is like, we might have a, uh, an experimental product that they want to roll out to the public. So now my responsibility will be helping test out the new product that they want to roll out to the public. And then I'm now I, I own the, uh, the portion of not only that, but I'm owning a portion of actually making sure that uh, good and bad product are separated and quarantined efficiently making sure that uh if somebody calls and they have a have a a defect issue with some product that came in on a truckload i can i can figure out what to do with it contact the vendor blah 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 you know what i'm saying i'm I'm in the midst of all aspects of quality on that in that realm so we're not doing all the we're not doing all the deconstruction anymore and that keeps our hands free to kind of handle the real issues that that kind of plague the, the site did you have to switch up 
and do first shift for them for you to learn this. Yeah, because all the people that know what they need us to know on nights are all on first shift right now. And uh, they really just put together our third shift team this year because the previous people that worked on our team either retired out or they bid to other uh, positions because they didn't like the new manager, the, the current manager. He's not new anymore, the current manager. They kind of like had a falling out with him and their way of kind of like protesting was to retire out and bid out. Plus they were kind of, they, they long in a tooth. They, they was going to be out the door eventually anyway. So he kind of like put together a, a dream team of people who were kind of interested in being on a quality team anyway. So. So how, how long had they been there? Probably about 20, 30 years on that job. Yeah. There's one chick. She been there since 1976 and she'd been in that department since like 95, 95, 96. So she started in 76, 20 years later, she, she joined the quality team. And you know what I'm saying? Like 25 years later, she retired. <laughs> yeah, she had she put in her time, definitely, bro. Definitely, man. She definitely put in her time. That's crazy. That's is that a union job? It's a union. It's a teamster. Okay. Uh, I think it's local 215. Sound like a good thing, man. Sound like a, a good yeah, I'm, I'm honestly I, I can't even complain about what I do. Uh I got my son in there just so he could put some money in his pocket because, you know, I think we had the conversation. He was, like, dealing with some shit financially, you know what I'm saying, car issues and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, dude, I said, I could get you in here. And I said, in a month's time, it'll turn your whole, it'll turn everything around for you. I said, within two months, you ain't going to be looking at the same problems you got no more because financially you're just going to, you're going to see a major growth. I said, you don't have the responsibilities I have. You know what I'm saying? I said, you don't got no kids. You know, you're not responsible to anybody else or for anybody else. All you have to do is pay what bills you have and stack your bread, invest in your goals, whatever. And he got in there and uh, he probably making more money than most 40 year olds. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a head start for him. And like, I had a whole conversation with him about like, uh, you know, stuff that people don't really talk about. Like I told him, I said, like, when you're in your 20s, I said, that's your that's your time to really be like uh, storing away for the winter. You, you know what I'm saying? You work your ass off. Like this is something society don't promote because they kind of want everybody to be out here and just get in the workforce and just put their head down and, and grind and, and spend money, be consumers. And push your money back into what they already got shut up. Yeah. <clears throat> you're in your 20s. Your 20s supposed to set your 30s up so your 40s, can, you can kind of kick your feet up and go take trips and live your life a little bit more. You'd be more invested. Most people don't tell their kids that shit. They just tell their kids, go get a good job. You know what I'm get an education, get a good job. And then they get out here and then the first thing they want to do is buy cars and big TVs and shit. They don't be, they don't, they don't have a plan. There's no objective. Yeah. The just, whole, and, and there's nothing wrong with getting a job, getting a good job or, uh, or going to college. The thing was, is like, where's the plan at? Why are you telling the kids that instead of just telling them to do that, tell them the need Right. The reason why that they, they, they need to do that. Why should they have a goal? Why should they chase goals? Why should they have a plan? There should be um, like a list of directives and there should be like some sort of uh, like an action plan. Yeah. Have items on that plan. So it's like a lot of times like parents, especially in our community, any, any community that lives like at or below the poverty line usually don't have any idea what the other side looks like. They know what it looks like from a, from a, a voyeur's perspective, but they don't know from experience. So you have these situations where like generationally, we kind of live in this in this system that uh, for one, we have a lot of broken homes and stuff like that. 
and and kids or or parents. I'm not even gonna say the kids because the kids are just mimicking what they see, but the parents or the parent is now supplementing that that second income from the other parent that's not there anymore. Or if they're just getting child support or blah blah blah, they're 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 now playing a dual role and the the secondary role they're not even doing a very good job at that because they really don't know how to do that job you see what i'm saying and i'm like i'm speaking like single mothers they don't know how to be the man they're doing their interpretation of the man so now she's working her ass off trying to make sure she can provide for a home she might be getting public aid she might be getting child support may or may not but it's difficult because we live in a society that's that's geared towards dual incomes that like this the, the, the system we live in has gone out its way to make sure that that women are were able to join the workforce so they could capitalize on both of those incomes. The problem with that is, though, is that because it we went we dug deep into making sure that was a thing. Now, nobody wants to be couples anymore. Now, there's a lot of single motherfuckers out here making a living. And this system is not sustainable on a single income. That's yeah, why rent's so high. Yeah, and you got women thinking that, you know, because they, and there's nothing wrong with women being able to provide for themselves and go to college and be entrepreneurs and independent. I'm fine with that. I love that. But now they feel like they wear the shoes, they wear the, the pants, <clears throat> excuse me, they wear the pants in a relationship too. And now I'm your equal. And it's not about being necessarily equal. It's about being able to raise a, a house and, and be able to provide for the, for the, for the, for the kids that you plan on bringing up into the house. So now, like you said, we do have this situation where the women are like, well, I don't, I don't need no man. Also, we kind of like, what we do is we champion like the outliers. We don't really look at like what the, we don't look at what is standard, what, what the actual standard is. We just champion outliers. Like LeBron James is an outlier. You did what I'm saying? He's not the, he's not the norm. You don't, that's not the normal outcome for a single mother to raise her. Derrick Rose is an outlier. If you yes, were, if you were the norm, all his brothers would have been just as successful, even more successful than he was. That's why everybody kind of invested in him going to school and playing Correct. ball. He was the one out of all of his brothers. Exactly. So that's another example of how like, um, like the, the need to have a dual, uh, you know what I'm saying? Have a, have a king and a queen in the in the in the kingdom like the queen can't solely like a, a queen can't make a king but a king can make a queen you know what i'm saying like a queen marries a man he, he could be a fucking he could be a, a fucking the guy who runs the tire shop down the street and she's fucking oprah winfrey you know what i'm saying he if she dies he's just the dude who married the queen you know what I'm they saying? will look at him as a freeloader exactly Whereas on the other side of that, like a, a, a wealthy man, he his whole entire lineage is is paid out through her womb. You know what I'm saying? They keep that keeps his legacy going. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So and, and, it, and it boosts her up and, and brings her into a situation that she, you know, would have never had before. Exactly. He improved her. He improves her life. Like, and this this is another thing. Like, I kind of look at it too. Like, uh, like, like. That's why I don't get off into like the whole what do you bring to the table conversation with women and shit like that or anybody in general, because I don't think people kind of understand what that question means. Because I've been in negotiations before I've sat down and I have bargains with people. Uh, I get what that question means. So like uh, you, you, you get in this relationship situation with somebody and you just want to know. 
what they what are they bargaining with because we're trying i'm trying to build something so instead of asking what are you what are you bringing to the table should probably, people should probably look at it from the angle of, well this person obviously wants to be here mm-hmm. let's figure out whether or not we're a good fit for each other before i start trying to ask them some old negotiation questions they're not ready for yeah uh, that's what i that's and i changed that over the last few years with myself instead of like <clears throat> Cause I know a young lady, she going to say, well, what, what are you bringing to this is what I do. You know, I'm a good woman. She started naming her qualities and her job. And I was like, Oh, that's just cool. And, but my thing was, is where are we compatible? What are the things that we, we, we're going to be good at great at the worst, the bad and the ugly that's going to come along with it. You know, since we're trying to play matchup and everything, because I know the end goal isn't for me. I don't want to work for nobody for too much longer. I, I know I have a mindset and, and, and some goals set up to make sure that I keep pushing money to the side or putting money to the side to make sure that in the end, like, all right, cool, boom, I'm bouncing up out of here. I don't have to go back and do that no more. I got IRA, I got all this other stuff set up and then I got some uh, investments that, that that will pan out and I'm trying to do uh, acquire more. Right. And, in, and in those conversations with certain women that do know what they want, they want it, they or they <clears throat> they want it and they're striving for it, or they have it and they're, they're more so uh, like I don't mind the bravado of you being happy that you do have it, but to a certain degree, it's like all right, well, cool, I'm I'm working on getting there, and you're probably either already there or you you're getting closer to that. But where where does it balance out for us? Because a man, it, it it doesn't, and a man can't. A man can't, uh, what, what do they call it, browbeating? Like, I can't, no, that ain't browbeating. Like, I can't, I can't be co- condescending to you, you know what I mean? And say, and say, oh, I got this, I got this. Like, my, my whole job is to make sure that, like, if I have it, I bring you up or we meet, we meet at the halfway point and we move forward. For you, if you're going to be putting me down, like, this shit ain't, ain't never going to work. And then she said, y'all only say that because I'm a strong, black, independent woman. I was like, it's not about that. Like, you, you're taking the wrong angle from it. This is what it is, man. On some real shit, like if you really deconstruct all of it, you really just look at it from the angle of like what relationships are built on, what the, there's no way around it. Like even like the only way around traditional relationships is being single, right? Uh, it, when you go into a relationship with a woman, I don't care how much money she makes, you're still going to be expected to do the brunt of the heavy lifting, right? She can make, she can, she can out earn you fucking 10 to but, 1 and yeah. but it lets you hit let you hit a wall where you need some time to actually say I need a reset I need you to car- carry these bills until I get this shit over here taken care of and then I'm back man there there's a limit she can earn out earn you 10 to 1 and she'll say okay up front but there'll be there'll be like criticisms and complaints about you not helping her where she needs the help because she doesn't necessarily realize she don't need the help she wants the help because a woman doesn't want to do the heavy lifting. She wants to be able to say, I can do it on my own, but it's only with the caveat that you are contributing the, the lion's share of the work. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the things where we've just, it's, it's a, it's what they call a gender role. You know what I'm saying? When you're, when you're the man in a relationship, you, you're typically expected to pay for, for the dates. You're typically expected to blah, blah, blah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you step outside of those roles, in the modern, in the modern aspect, 
that's where you start having this conflict of interest. But okay. we don't live in we don't live in that old society no more, right? Well, women fought for they fought for women's rights and everything. So yeah, but the thing is, is like that dig this, bro, because that's that I was gonna go there. So you yeah, they fought for the equality, they fought for uh you know, to be able to work, they fall for the opportunity to vote, blah, 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 all of these different things. And that's like the first wave of feminism. That's what, you know what I'm saying? That's what it was all about. That was like during the civil rights era and shit. Yeah, they basically leased off that, right? And- so where they are now, though, it's not, it has nothing to do with those rights because now it's about having their cake and eating it too for most women. Not a lot of them, not all of them, but a nice chunk of them. Uh, so it's like, uh, yeah, I, my, like most women want a man as that 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 went to college, got a degree, earns hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's a that's rare. The reason why is because we're driven by something other than that. You know what I'm saying? So like a man could be a you could be a successful fucking electrician, but you don't meet her criteria for a successful man because you don't meet the, the standards that she has in her checklist of things that a man should be her and her her bill to bear. Per se, you did know what I'm saying. We go out and we pick women based on the visual aspect. They kind of like pick us based on provision. So if she's already set provision wise. Now you're just the extras, and you don't even realize it. You did know what I'm saying. So, so what that does though is that creates like a, a an environment where you have like a lot of women who may not even be college educated or even of that standard, but because they hear about it and see it amongst other women, they think they deserve the same too. That was the other thing, right? Going off of the women that they are hanging around and 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 the the information that they're receiving from the group of women that they that they're they're around that they're with. Uh and, and I noticed that I was I, I asked her, I was like, is is a lot of this coming from what you know and, and what you what you think? Is, is this your opinion and what you're chasing? Or is this based on, is this based on the what what you which was was being spoon fed to you the the, the information that's just being uh, spewed out to you and, and what you're hearing because it don't sound like you have the the facts or the knowledge to to interpret what you're saying to me and 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 break it down to me and tell me what it is you want what you want. And we went back, we went back and forth, we went back and forth uh, with this. So I, she said, well, what is your plan? And I, I, I showed her what the plan, I didn't show her everything, but I said, like, this is my plan. I can, I can give it to you damn near verbatim, verbatim, but I'm not. Here are the select goals that I have over the next three, five to seven years. This is what I want to do. And when I broke the plan down, I was like, all right, cool. Now, what do you have in mind for yourself? I said, what you mean? It wasn't necessarily the what you mean. It was more so her goal was to was to be more involved with her 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 group of friends and and, and working. And I was like, oh well, not me. <laughs> not not me. I was like, so so if and I told her I was like, so if I'm goal if I am goal driven, and I got all this shit that I want to do, and I'm and I'm I'm pushing for it, will you be able to? have understanding of there will be times where I won't get back to you and I, you won't be able to get have my time and my energy and you won't be able to come over. And if you do come over, I may be tired. Will you be able to, to adjust to that? Of course not. And she was like, oh, I, I, I could do that. I was like, are you certain? Are you certain that you could be around a person? Like, because when 
when I'm when I am when I'm in the pocket and I'm in my lane, I don't stop for much or nothing unless it's unless it's to check on my family and my guys. You know what I mean? Like unless it's my friends and everything, and I want to come out and I want to celebrate or have a drink, you know, because they got new success, new success, newfound goals that they hit, they plateaued, not plateaued, they hit a peak, you know, the, the things that they have going on. And I was explaining that to her. She said, Well, I I didn't think about all of that. I didn't think that that came with it. It was like that. That is a part of it. Like if, if y'all want a successful man, you have to be able to take the success that comes with him. Like he's going to be busy. There are going to be times where he can't get to you. There are going to be things that you may have to take steps. You may have to say, well, this is the type of guy I want, but I have to make a sacrifice as well because it's, this is what I want. Bro, it's the cake and eat it too thing, bro. Think about life from this angle. What a woman earns is her money. What you earn is your money and her money. And her money. You know and her money. And her money. No matter how much more she earns than you, she might like again. She might out earn you. There is no hey. Uh, let's put our bread together and see what we got. She's like she gonna kind of feel some kind of way about it because it puts her. In, it's either it's either gonna make her put put her in a masculine mind state where she feel like because she's a breadwinner she gets to call the shots instead of following your leadership as the king. Not to say all women are are like that. I like this, but I know I know I know a guy who's uh who's in a relationship like that and the woman out earns him she makes three times as much money as he does mm-hmm. and she lets him know it all the time yep she yeah. makes she she makes sure that she lets him know like we were hanging out one time and she made sure to insult him because she picked up she grabbed the tab whatever she's like i'll grab the tab whatever we were all hanging out and when the tab came he was going to pay for it. We like, no, we good. We, we got it. We'll, we'll pay for ours. You just pay for you and your wife and everything. She was like, I'll pay for it. I make more. I don't know if you guys know this, but I make more money than he does anyway. Big measuring contest. And I'm telling you, bro, what it is, and this go back to the conversation. I, I don't even want to cut you off like that, but. No, you're this, good. I'll go back to what I was saying about the different ways of feminism. Like, I, I'm all for it. You know what I'm saying? I, I watched my sister. She flourish and she doing her thing she got her kids and stuff like that so she's trying to do everything she can to kind of like plant the seed towards making sure she can provide for them right but there's a sense of uh like what we do we do it with a, with the purpose with the express purpose of knowing that we have to have an end game and we have to provide and protect yeah i mean there's no it's all everything is about that for us like even on the on an individual level because we all like like you even prepare your life for the eventuality that you might just find a chick that might be the one so you like setting your life up just so you can move around and, and live it. And then all of a sudden she comes along. Guess what? All she got to do is just fall into the role because you already got the king- the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? Women don't do that. You know what I'm saying? They want to take trips to Dubai and all this shit. Think about all the thousands, all, most of the thousands of dollars of trips that spent on tourism is usually entertaining women or women entertaining themselves. You see what I'm saying? Whereas we, the, all the, for every trip a woman takes, there's man hours put into us building our purpose up. You know what I'm saying? So we're not blowing our money that way. If we're blowing money, we're blowing it to entertain them. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, like again, it goes like her money is her money and your money is her money. Even on even if she ain't your woman, odds are you done spent some money on drinks and entertaining chicks just so you can yeah. smash. Yeah. You know and it's just one of those things, man. It's a paradigm that something that goes, like when you're saying like uh, the old ways, that things used to be. Some things just never go away, no matter how yeah. modernized 
you get like our our instinct to kind of like flex and peacock for fit for females is always going to exist we just do it in new ways now and but the difference is though is the modern female the modern woman ain't necessarily moved by that shit like that no more because they can get it too you know what i'm saying they got only fans and niggas cash apping them and absolutely all, so like all, that's why you got like it's situations now and i you know i I ain't never had no problem getting no female. I know you ain't had no problem getting no females, but it's dudes that just can't do it. They don't have the skills to talk to women. So that little that 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 demographic of dudes, that pool of guys is so big who not getting no ass. Them the dudes is cash apping these chicks just for a picture of her feet. Yeah, and them dudes that be yes, and these are the same guys that be making these women feel like you know the world is theirs and and they're worth more than what they are. Exactly. Exactly. And they be putting so much into, and no disrespect to nobody, but we got these guys that are like suckers, lames, goofies, and everything that are putting. They giving and not to devalue nobody, but they they not just objectifying, but they they giving these women a a, 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 a false sense of of, of self worth that ain't real because they can't do what normal guys like. That's the like thing. the guys I be hanging around, like the guys like me, you, and a bunch of other guys, they can't do what we can normally do when we go out, we hang out. Like they got to go through these apps and, and they got to be with these girls. And not to say there's nothing wrong with the apps, but for the guys that don't, that 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 can't just get it. You know what I mean? Like they have to trick off on, 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 on oh, show me, show, show, send me a picture of your feet. Or send me a picture of you with your tongue out and stuff like that. They sitting up there on a Zoom call like this behind an avatar talking to her while she got her cam up you know what i'm saying doing whatever she doing and he 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 yakking off one destroying his meat <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying you just, said destroying his meat <laughs> you know what i'm saying just oh, so or a chick who, who don't think nothing of him you know what i'm saying and it's all a transaction it's all transactional i think that's a that i and this go back to a conversation we used to have too like we, we're in a in a perpetual state of social evolution like every 25 to 30 years we hit like a, a state of social evolution that we're never aware of and that that 25 to 30 years happens every year for a different phase of it you see what i'm saying so like if you think about like 30 years ago this phone this zoom call wasn't even possible correct correct and it was a phone hanging on the wall with a long ass cord that you dial that went all the way around Exactly. A rotary phone and shit. You know what I'm saying? When you left the house, if you needed to make a phone call, you have to, you know what I'm saying, drop some coins in the pay phone or you just wait till you get to the crib to make that phone call. You wasn't easily accessible. If motherfucker asked you where you've been all day, it, it was a legit concern because nobody knew where you've been all day. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Now everybody's like a, a everybody's reachable at the touch of a fingertip. All they got to do is just go touch their phone. Boom. Go to the app. You know what I'm saying? Go, you know what I'm saying? Ain't that, ain't that crazy how motherfuckers now have how the evolution of technology has improved the, the ability to uh, to communicate and motherfuckers still act like they don't know how to reach people? Because that's that is what it is. It has an equal opposite effect, bro. It's like like um I'll say like uh people don't talk anymore. I, I, I had this conversation with my girlfriend. You know how like uh Facebook, if you ever notice. Uh, if somebody make a post and you want to comment on the post, it already give you like some pre-cooked fucking responses. It ain't like predict predictive text. It's like some pre-cooked, it's like fucking emojis and shit like that. 
if like hey i was going to i was going to put three uh absolutely one. it'll it'll put like a clapping hand if it says or it'll tell you congratulate such and such uh on their new position or something like that hey or yeah i don't pre-cook yeah that's what it's taking all the work out of conversation though. yeah all so, the all the actual social all the social involvement action. so you really don't spend no time in the comments you know they they post something you like it you move on and we don't even realize like the like but most people get mad because they don't get no likes they don't realize the likes ain't for us the likes ain't got nothing to do with us bro that's got everything to do with the algorithm you click like on it now you're gonna get more of whatever the fuck it is you just click like on on your feed you have 329 people 4,000 people on your friends list the last fucking 200 things you click like on is gonna narrow that fucking list down to like 10 motherfuckers you're gonna see the same few motherfuckers yep all the time you don't even realize that other motherfuckers on your friend list post too, but Facebook or, or Instagram done prioritized around the people you done click like on. So now you you totally don't know your, your cousin had a baby. <laughs> right, because you got a motherfucker uh, posting pictures every 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 hour about, you know, they yeah. they, they OnlyFans page or, or they little modeling career and everything. You're trying to big them up on a new business and shit, and you're gonna click like a few times. And now that's all you see, and you missed out on some life changing experiences for people you really love. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why for anybody's listening, someone asked me one time, why don't why don't I like uh, pictures uh, like their pictures? Listen, if you got fifty likes, you don't need my. <laughs> and the reason why, just not because I don't want to congratulate you because I do congratulate you, especially if I got your number. I'll send it in in a Facebook messenger or or if I got your phone number, I'll send you a text message saying congratulations. But it's because of that. These algorithms. They're put there for that reason. I don't want them clouding my space with that with that extra bullshit that I don't want to see. That shit just feeds the addiction component of it. Yeah. and, And then I got 700 friends on my page. I don't even need that many, but. There are other people who I would like to see. There's, there's a cousin I have who talks inspirational all the time. You know, there's a cousin I have who, who's, who has a, a credit business. There's other things I would like to see. Not just that. Yeah. Not just, not just you know, someone saying that, uh, saying some, some, some funny shit, but it being pessimistic and negative at the same time. Like, come on, man. Like, I don't want to say that shit all day. I don't. I don't. There's other things for me to view on my page, but that's another reason why I don't I don't get on there that often. And when I do get on there, I get on there to post about what I think, the podcast. I do my stories and I and I get out the way. Hey, a buddy of mine, he uh, he went to school for uh, business marketing. He was saying how like because how how prevalent social media is, and he don't have he has no digital footprint out here though. He never had a MySpace, never had a Black Planet. He he's always been like. Dude, he just got a fucking smartphone like two years ago. He been wow. on, yeah, because the way his mind worked, bro, he was like he just had to stay disconnected because he see how it affects everybody around him. And he lived his life up until his his phone wasn't serviceable no more. That way, that it took them to tell him that his phone wasn't serviceable no more for him to grab a fucking smartphone. Wow. Yeah, and he was like saying how like in his marketing classes, once he started learning all the shit about marketing, that's what turned him off to all of this shit. And he was saying how like um, how everything in the background of this shit works in terms of like uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook kind of like functions off of uh, what you like and what you how, what you respond to and stuff like that. So like what we're seeing, we're engaging with, and it's all like a a, 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 a serotonin, a dopamine release. All this Absolutely. Shit. 
So we got all these different releases going on because we're interacting. Some shit make us angry. Some shit make us happy. Some shit make us sad. You know what I'm saying? All these different emotions and stuff. And it's all self-serving for us. But for them, all that shit is just analytics. They're just looking at all of these analytics. They see like 200 million motherfuckers like this one specific thing. Let's figure out why. Let's drill down into it. Let's read some of the comments. Let's sit, let's even plant somebody to join the conversation and talk to the people and see what, whether or not we can engage them and find out what it is about this particular post that got them fucking hooked. Yeah. How can we feed them more of this type of shit? Because the longer you're on my app, the more ad revenue I can draw in and the more I can use you to sell shit. So we're on there 24 seven. Don't realize that the time we're spending on there, all we're doing is just giving them data. It's giving them opportunity to kind of like draw from us. We're just, we're just, uh, we're free marketing. Yeah. And then the crazy part about being free marketing is we don't even support the people that we really should be supporting that we actually know. We'd jump off into some other shit that ain't got nothing to do with us instead of supporting the, the local businesses and, and the people doing the, the, the dopest shit that we we know in our, in our immediate surrounding areas. I think that got, that's that comes from the familiar, though, man. I think, like, because we, again, that's a part of our social evolution because a lot of this shit is fairly new in terms of, like, the, the marketing and the way people run business. There are more people now with their own, quote-unquote, business. Most of that shit is, like, like, a real business has employees. You know what I'm saying? If you if you're actually invested, you're you're paying somebody to help you grow your your business. You know what I'm saying? Most people have LLCs and they have like a a, a, a vanity business, something that like a a, a dream job. You know, some motherfucker brewing craft beers or somebody doing graphic arts and blah blah blah. But they are not employing nobody. They do that one man show. Behind the scenes, they're doing all the work, they're doing all the legwork, and they want people to support them, but they don't have any idea how to market. You know what I'm saying? So they're they're really leaning into the people that know them to kind of help support their business. But maybe these motherfuckers don't have a need for graphic arts, or maybe these people don't drink craft beer. You know what I'm saying? You got a you got a friends list on Facebook, which Facebook is so trash because most of those people are people you've come in contact with in real life, but you may not even fuck with like that. Yeah. But because they're familiar, you added them. So Facebook is mad de- deceptive in that way. So you got these. But people- the original purpose of Facebook was for it to be a marketing tool for people to use it to market, you know, that to, was just, to connect. I was just on a college level, though. You know what I'm saying? What happened was, is, and he was trying to get pussy off of that. Yeah. Trying to connect and try to get some ads. What people use, like what people use Facebook for now, is exactly what human nature was going to make it make because. It's doing exactly the same thing MySpace was doing. They just don't have the fucking option to change the HTML graphics. You know what I'm saying? We can't change our layouts and shit like that and add mm-hmm. our top five and top ten friends and all that old craziness. You know what I'm saying? It took it took the teenage component away from it and made it a little bit more mature, but it's still childish as shit. So you had these situations now, like you know how we pro- we post our links to our media. I post links to music. You post links and stuff like that to for your podcast. Your, your core audience is never going to be the motherfuckers on your friends list. So that's where you, you know what I'm saying? You kind of got to buy ad space and shit like that and try yeah. to put your brand out there to people who wouldn't normally see you because to rely on your 300 to 3000 friends to share the link. is a, it's a, it's a, it's big a ask. yeah, it's a big act. It's a big chance. Cause it's not going to, it's never, never doesn't really work out that way. I know the, the people that support critical mass for myself, they usually come from Canada or Europe. 
you know, and they, they reach out there in the DMs and everything they want to know about new music or uh, I get beats from France and, and Europe all the time. So uh, right. that, that's definitely that's definitely a, a solid on that one. I, I definitely can't um, argue with that opinion about it. But, right. you know, one thing I learned is that to, to embrace that, whether, you, you know, whether people like it or not, because your main support, the people that really that, you know, usually don't support you until you got enough traction behind they go oh i know that person let me buy or let me click you know so that you know bro that's the difference between though operating now in this digital space versus like having like a a brick and mortar like a brick and mortar storefront in a in in the neighborhood you grew up in it the business will be slow it'll be a slow grind but at least you have a you have a physical presence people can walk up people can drive up and walk into your business, come up into your establishment who don't even know you, but because you set you set out to stand out in a way that, you know what I'm saying, is comparable to everything else, people will actually talk more about the experience they had with you there. Absolutely. There's almost no experience to be had in a digital space other than uh, maybe what you post and if you engage the, the people in conversation. And nowadays, people aren't necessarily interested in conversation. They're more interested in reaction. So, like, you'll get people who will troll you, people who will probably just try to see whether or not you share same, the same values and views as you just so they can have these conversations that you, you may not even be in the, in the space to have, but because you need that, you need their attention and eyes on your, your product, you're going to go ahead and entertain it. You're going to go ahead and give them that opportunity. I see that shit all the time. I see that with, like, Talil Kweli. I see that shit with, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like people who people would challenge Talia Kweli on his political views because he's outspoken about some things politically. And now it puts him in a space where he looks like a bad guy or a villain because they he's been baited into conversations to say some things that kind of come off as being insensitive. Well, now you 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 baited him, but now he wants to have the actual conversation with yeah. you. And he's not an illiterate, stupid motherfucker like this dude was raised by two professors. So he knows how to have a dialogue in a conversation which he knows how to debate with you problem with that though is they weren't in it for the debate anywhere they were just in it for the reaction you know what i'm saying they just wanted to get them outside of you know what I'm saying? it's almost like when you're in a crib chilling the motherfucker actually get you to step out on the porch you know what i'm saying that's what that's like so like uh they can like because we, we talk uh the digital the digital medium m- most people aren't buying cds and albums unless it's a niche you know what I'm saying? People are just streaming shit. You know what I'm saying? People might buy your your your, your MP3 album or whatever, but they not like Quali don't have no new music coming out. He's working on his podcast and stuff like that, right? Uh, so to have as much reach as possible is 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 paramount for him. He's got to have his. He's got to be in places like Twitter. He's got to be in places like Instagram to kind of promote his brand. But by him reaching out, it, it definitely pushed him uh, along. Seems like I, I could be wrong, but it seems like it did help. You know, in the end, was getting it, him it, out there. He got it. Got his his podcast is booming, but I think it has more to do with his brand as as a whole. But when it comes to like the as, aspect of marketing it and actually pushing it forward, like I I feel like it could probably be bigger than what it is. But um, he spent he spends hours arguing with motherfuckers on Instagram. He ain't even on Twitter no more. He got kicked off Twitter. He got kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. He got baited into one of them conversations and broke some guidelines by language he used or whatever. Which you is- know, the crazy part about that is, is that like he, he's getting attacked, and then when he responds back, now you're 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 you want to suspend or terminate the person that was getting attacked. 
he was having a reaction to some conversation. Now, I don't know what it was, or I don't know how bad it got or whatever it was, but I would be on Twitter every now and then when I get on, I would get on there. It's like, yo, y'all keep going back and forth with this guy, not knowing that he's he's going to go back. He's going to do it. He's going to have those conversations with you. That's what they want. They what I'm saying. Again, a lot of people don't necessarily have uh, good intentions in their conversations or debates. Some people just some people just want to watch the world burn, bro. Some yeah, they do. People just get on like some people wake up on bullshit. So we take somebody like Talib Kweli, who's passionate. You know what I'm saying? He's serious about the conversation. He he wants to have this talk. And then you got people out here who's just absolutely adverse to all of that shit. All, the only thing they want to see is how far can I push this motherfucker? Yeah, they just want some attention. They just want some attention. And they when while he's all worked up or he's saying some shit that's put that puts him outside of his element or put him out of his body because he's responding in a way that he feels like is appropriate the whole time. He fell right to their snare. He went and to the when I look at the comments on like the YouTube page from some of the stuff that I post, uh from different people, uh the uh the dreadhead cowboy some of the some uh, it was a couple comments on there and everything i don't even pay this shit no attention because yeah. to me any attention like when it comes to this shit all attention is attention good or bad is attention and those looks actually help build your your momentum towards making your your content flourish it's publicity it's, yeah that's all it is but a lot of people aren't equipped to deal with that. They go back to the whole aspect of some people doing it solo versus people having employees when you run a business and that's what makes you a little bit more critical in the, in your your response to things. When you know that your decision making impacts the people around you, then you'll be a little bit more. Uh, you you I won't necessarily say tread lightly when it goes when it comes to those conversations. But what it is, you'll be selective about what yeah. comes happen with who, because you know that some people are just out here being real subversive anywhere. They just really want to. They're here to kind of destroy you just so they can kind of like say, "I did that." You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. And then you got to think about it. Some of those same people sit at home behind the keyboard doing and do nothing with their lives all day, every day. All they do is troll. All they fucking do is troll. And think about it. Like, it's like a, that's a trophy for them, though. If they could say, man, I made Talib Kweli lose his fucking uh, Twitter. That's a, like, it look, they look like an asshole for doing it, but they don't give a fuck anyway. No, nah, and then some of them go home, stay in their mom basement or whatever it is. And- all right. Like you said, they'd be whacking off. I was like, how do you come? How do you you combat that by by strategically just staying out of those conversations with those types of people? You vet the conversations or you control the narrative. You control the conversation. You set up the conversation. You don't just sit here and a motherfucker ask a question and you respond to every question somebody asks. Because a lot of those questions be loaded. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that that is a brother that does make good music, man. He's he's put out some good music that definitely you know helped me through certain times you know what i mean uh definitely him marvin gay uh this is some artists out there man like they got me through different times of life you know dealing with sad moments i had or you know being emotional about losing certain people and everything yeah um i know that uh was that reflection eternal was definitely one of those albums from talib quality that you know he has so many different messages on that album, bro. Yeah. I, it, it, you know, it, it helped me get through get through some some rough patches. I definitely, I, I definitely think that there is therapy in music because it's so it's also universal, not just because, but it's also universal. You know, and you can get different, you can get, you can pull different emotions from different artists and be able to relate to them and 
and have, have, have that conversation with yourself and have an understanding of who they are and where they are. Um, do you have certain artists that are like that for you? Yeah, man. I, uh, my go-tos are like Stevie Wonder. I go, I go deep in my old school bag for that. I go like Stevie Wonder, the Doobie Brothers, uh, Gap Band. Uh, and it's always like the upbeat shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I listen to Outstanding by the Gap Band to kind of like push my my day forward or when I have like a win, I bumped the shit out of the Outstanding. One of them died recently, right? The, the leader of the band, the guy who started the band. Okay. Rest in peace. My condolences to the family. Yeah. I listen to... Man, I got like an entire playlist, like just old school stuff that really. Yeah, it's like, uh, let me see what I like. The latest shit I added to it was uh, this song. Uh, I want to thank you, Heavenly Father. Yes, sir. One of the ones yeah. shining your light on me. Yeah, that's right. That be. Like that'd be the song I when I really know I'm going to work and I don't want to deal with these people, I had to kind of like remind myself what I'm doing it for. I put that song on, and it's like the it's it's not even necessarily a message of the song, but the intent behind the song is just a thankful song, being thankful for you know what I'm saying opportunity. Like you put me, you put me in a position to, to do something great. And yeah. all the things that I'm dealing with that I don't want to have to deal with is just part of me climbing this mountain. Like I, I think I post, I said climbing the mountain, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get to the top, you gotta feel some pain. You're not gonna you're not gonna walk up a flight of stairs and not feel some strain on your knees. Yeah. It's easy to go down the stairs. You ain't gotta feel shit. Hell, you can you can fall down the motherfuckers and still get to the bottom. Yeah. Ain't no falling yeah. up the Ain't stairs. no falling up. There no. is no falling up. You gotta you gotta do the work. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it's about. You know what I'm saying? That's really like a that's like one of my main pictures when I talk to my kids, man. Like, look, nothing you work for. It's gonna, it's gonna come easy, you know what I'm saying? Set, set your playlist, get your mind right, you know what I'm saying? And the other thing too, like when, when you're striving for something, when you, when you're going after success, family, marriage, a, a, a husband, a wife, you have to make sure that you yourself are ready and are in position to ready to be to receive that. Thanks. You can't just say, Lord God, I, I want a house, I want a husband, things like that. And then your, your 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 background, your set of skills, your character ain't in order. Like you got to get those things in order too, because that blessing, that gift may be given to you, and you may not be ready at the proper time. Absolutely, that's why I don't subscribe to this whole manifestation of shit. That people like black people are really on that shit heavy these days. Nobody does the work. They don't realize that. You know what I'm saying? That you gotta put in the work. You gotta grind it out. You gotta do the work. You can't, you can't say, man. I want to, I want to be able to lift my car up with my hands and never even been to the gym, or in some cases, like, and no, this is no slight against Lizzo, but I'm using her as an example. She wants Chris Evans and all these muscular dudes to be her man because in her head that's her type, but she can't wrap her head around the idea that she's not their type. If there was a fucking fire in the house, the fireman gonna need help getting her out of there. And she black out and pass out in the flames. You know what I'm saying? This is a mentality that like if you want something, you got to grind it out and figure out. You got to qualify yourself for what it is you want. And like, yes, everything is not for you. You have to qualify. Man, that's a good. You have to qualify yourself, man. I don't. I've never do. I've every 
and I've I've always been blue collar. You know what I'm saying? I've I've worked I've sat at sat at desks. I worked in offices and stuff like that. But I've I've intentionally always put myself in blue collar spaces because I like to work with my hands and stuff like that, right? But I've I've never performed a job that I didn't try to qualify myself for intentionally. I always approached it with like I'm going to learn this shit because I'm not taking a pay cut. Every opportunity to earn more is going to is going to bolster. My, my my ability to provide and, and you know what I'm saying. And, but I think we should look at everything in life that we're striving for like that, right? You have to you have to qualify qualify for it. You want a qu- car? Got to qualify for it, right? Want to be a dope MC? You know what I'm saying? You can't just say I'm a I'm a. I mean, I guess nowadays you you could just ra- just ramble and mumble on and shit like that and get wealthy. But to really be respected. You got to earn that shit, man. You got to really, your pin game got to be sharp. And the best way to sharpen your game is constantly grind it out. You know what I'm saying? Figure out new ways to approach writing them bars. Did I say these bars before? Did somebody else say these bars? Oh, ain't nobody thought of this one. Let me write this one down. How can I make this one fit? Let me let me learn how to structure my verses in a way where they sound like, they sound unbelievable. Let me work on my wordplay. Let me work on my flow and my cadence. You know what I'm saying? Let me sharpen all of this shit up. My timing is a little bit off on this bar. I need to try probably build my vocabulary so I can find some synonyms that, that fit the syllable count. Correct. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all about work. You know what I'm saying? My version of that song would be uh, Blessed by Jill Scott. I like listening to that song. Woke up this morning, I feel blessed. Nope. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those joints I, I, I play um, on my way. But I also lately I've been listening to Budo's band. It's a really it's a funk like a funk 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 band and they had like an Afro fusion and Latino f- fusion um, within the uh, within the music that they that they uh, put out. It's just really just really good band. I, I'm, I'm I love funk. I love uh, funk music, so yeah. I definitely love listening to that on my way to work. And like I, I think I we had that conversation before when you're listening. There's so many different things, so many different types of instrumentation that's happening doing the course of these songs and it reminds me of my, my damn brains because I'm always trying to catch everything that, that, that they're doing and when I write I'm kind of like that like my mind is everywhere until I finally find that that uh, that vortex of words that I can just you know shoot down shoot shoot through it and get everything together and, and write the type of verse that I like but yeah Budo's band is like it's 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 feel good to me it definitely has that, that 60s and 70s vibe to it but it's feel good music, and I definitely like being in the right spot, right place, the right mindset before I'm heading out. Right. Um, Stevie Wonder would be another. One. I don't listen to him to it that often, um, but I do. Stevie is in a, in a playlist, but I do have a playlist called. I have one called Good Vibes, mm-hmm. and I have one called Chill Music, and like the chill music is basically a, a an amalgamation of like rap and r&b and everything else you know like usually when people come over that's that that might that's the playlist uh chill music might be the uh playlist that's actually playing it's like 300 songs or something up in that playlist or something like that and then you come over that you may hear different types of shit you know that's me i, I got maybe like on this playlist i probably got about three to four hundred songs on this playlist and yeah. uh usually when i shuffle it like this is the playlist i can shuffle and i don't even skip nothing i just let it go and uh like i like one of my favorite songs on the playlist is the uh is Loggins and Messina, What a Fool Believes. And, what a uh, fool believes. Yeah. 
Yeah, my dad used to bump the shit out of that when I was a kid. So that like it just stuck with me. And then when I listened, when I actually learned what the lyrics was about. <laughs> that sounds fly. That sounds fly. Especially like you said, if you're listening to the words. And that's that's the that's the dope part about like how music works, bro. It's like because if you think about it like this, and it's probably why I'm more into my old school back nowadays, and it has nothing to do with my age, more or less to do with just the vibe, the energy, because everything is vibrations. You know what I'm saying? It's like the same thing with like the lights you use in your house. Light is nothing but a vibration. It's all part of the same spectrum. It's just different, different wavelengths. So like if I'm listening to a whole bunch of Kanye, I'm going to be in a certain mood. You know what I'm saying? His music spans so much of a different gamut of the wavelength. And he even said to himself that he's not using so many 808s and stuff no more because that low vibration. You know what I'm saying? That 44 hertz. That shit is like it's so it's so low, it brings your spirit down. You know what I'm saying? Like you might you might catch the mood of the lyrics, but the it's not necessarily impacting you the way the actual vibration of the song actually is. So I'm listening to some old school stuff with some live instrumentation, you know what I'm saying? Some fender roads playing, some guitars, some some drums, you know what I'm saying, some some vocalization, stuff like that. Uh, and songs that have lyrical inspiration to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, Knocks Me Off My Feet by Stevie Wonder. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I'd be on that. I'm telling you, when it comes to my old school, yeah. like, listening I to I want to thank you, Heavenly Father. Who was that? I was, because that was what, Alicia Myers or something like that? Yeah. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father. And then the parts that uh, you brought the sunshine. You brought the sunshine. Yeah. Okay. You brought the sunshine. Yeah. Into my life. Yeah. <laughs> and they 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 high. They like alto soprano to or something. I, I I ain't about to try and sing like for for real for real or, or go that high. I, right. I do what I do, but I ain't, we ain't trying to do that right now. I do that when we in the studio. Um. What's an, what's another one? Um. I it was just on my mind. I can't remember. Oh. Like you said, the the it was a message in the music. I think that's what that what that's what you said. So I I always said if you ever listen to the Isley Brothers, they was always giving out game. Oh, absolutely. They was like, and they was like, dude, they was pro black and and super effective at like like putting that subliminal message behind the song and shit like that. Like them dudes was like they was revolutionary. Yeah, man. Like I was, I had a uh, me and a young lady was over here sitting back, you know, laying back, chipping. I mean, sipping, chilling out. Right. And I, we was listening to the song because I had it on, on my playlist and she was like, I love this song. And I was like, really? I was like, do you hear the words that he's saying? And she was like, yeah. I was like, he's saying it's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you who to sock it to. Like, that's your body. I can't tell you what to do with your body. If you like that dude over there, you know, so I was breaking it down to and She was like, I never I never paid attention to that. I was like, like, really? My salt and pepper flipped it. They brought it back to the they brought it back to that era because they knew that that message was kind of getting lost in translation. Man, it it is it, it was right there. Like it's your thing. That's your body. That's your thing thing. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what to do with that. You know what I mean? So we we sat here and she was like, oh my God. I'm gonna call my mom. I think she called her mom and she, her mom was like, girl, what's wrong with you? So I think they, they was having a conversation, but th- that was another one of those songs I love. I love uh, having in my rotation. Um, 
what's a mood like? What's a song? Marvin Gaye, damn it, anything Marvin Gaye, man, is good for me. Especially like on the bottom half of his career, that's where he really got into his uh his inspiration bag, where he was like really most of his songs were about uh black people uplifting each other, you know what I'm saying, and really addressing issues that, that he saw, you know what I'm saying, on the horizon and actually pre-existing anyway. Marvin Gaye was like the I don't know. It, 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 it wasn't any artists like him after that, other than like Michael Jackson, who was like putting messages in the music and shit. No, Mike Marvin Gaye was pretty unique, man. He was a standout, and I think everybody knew it. Yeah, and but see, he's from that generation, though, man. Because if you think about it, he's from. You know what I'm saying he he was writing for Stevie Wonder. Him and Stevie Wonder formed a writing team. He was all types of stuff going on when you came when it came to that mentality, man. It was like wow. that, that whole era was as. But, but then again, you got to think about the shit they saw. You see what I'm saying? So my question is, though, because we see a lot. We've seen a lot in the last 25, 30 years. Why why isn't that so much more prevalent now other than just because they pay us more money to say nigga and shoot niggas on songs? Why isn't that more? I mean, because the message could still be there and we could still find ways to be creative and, and making sure we do it, but it's not done on such a high level. I'm not saying it's not being done at all because I think it's being done. Uh, we know that. I think it's not being done at such a high level because I think we might have had that conversation before. Certain people might have been bought off or, or pushed into another direction to keep them from uh yeah. speaking speaking out about the the social ills and having social commentary within the music. But it's needed. It's still needed. Yeah. I mean, cuz the the conversation to me is way more important than than the vibe you know what i'm saying because to me again the vibration man it's like people kind of like we get caught up in all of this we get caught up in the feeling and not necessarily understand understanding that that feeling is distracting what's the message exactly there's something behind like even like um i'll say like the reason why you have a, a a polarized uh fan base between Biggie and Pac is because even though Pac wasn't the most lyrical rapper, he spoke to the people directly. And he wasn't just talking at them. The average rapper talks at you. Yeah. But when you listen to Pac, you feel like he's talking to you. Yeah, and he was charismatic when he did it. Yeah. So he may not necessarily and nobody's perfect, you know what I'm saying? But it, and the same thing like Outkast, they spoke to you. Sure. Goody Mob spoke to you. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? But then you take it into account like somebody who's talking about, you know what I'm saying? They're like they're I won't even say they I don't want to say the glamorization, but they're if they're not they're if they're talking about all the ups of a negative of doing negative shit, but they don't talk about the ramifications and outcomes of it, then they're just talking at you. They're just running their fucking mouth, man. They just shooting the shit. And and to be honest, I ain't gonna say nobody's name, but it's there's some rappers out there that, that these young boys and these young ladies are listening to. They don't do half the shit that they saying. I'm not trying to call nobody a killer or no gangster. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying all the pill popping and all this other shit. Some of these motherfuckers ain't really doing the shit that they rapping about. Uh, honestly, on some real shit though, like I would, I would venture to say this. In 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 99% of the cases, that might be true for rappers throughout the history of rap. But my thing, because I'm pretty sure, like, uh, on the Great Adventures of Sleep, Rick, most of the shit he rapped about was all, I mean, it was all, you could tell it was all story-based. 
You know what I'm saying? It was a fucking album full of stories. Uh, the difference is though, is like there was no there was no question about it. You know what I'm saying? It was like you already knew what you was buying it to. I at some point we hit this keep it real era, and it stuck. You know what I'm saying? The keep it real era hit like late '90s, early. But 90s. I'm okay if you're gonna tell stories, but it's the fact that you're promoting the 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 a drug culture, opioids and amphetamines like that's. Mm. But see, they're incentivized to do that bullshit, man. Correct. And I, if there was no money in it, and on top of that, man, the crazy shit about it, though, is like they're not even doing it for us. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like, if you think about like who shows up to the festivals, who are the, who's the mass audience at most of those festivals and shit like that? Yeah. Who's the ones buying into it the most? And, and, it's, and, it's, a, yeah, and it's a group of motherfuckers that sit at the table and tell them to do it. Yeah. Uh-uh, put this out. Put this out. We don't want that. Put this out. Are you sure you want to drop that album like that when you could talk about this and make more money? Yeah. And you, and then they, you know, saying they hang over their head all the all the mouths they got to feed, all the people they got to provide for. You know what I'm saying? You want to get your mom out the hood? That's the best way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's sacrifice your let's sacrifice them. You don't know them. They ain't nobody to you. Sacrifice them. They can't yeah. feed you. They're not gonna take care of you, take care of you if you if this album don't sell. What you gonna do if we shell you? Yep. It's a lot to consider, man. Um, that's the game, though, ain't it? The game is the game. Yeah, I could see that happening, like um, with the Kyrie Irving shit too. Like I would, uh, I, and you, I would have thought more people would have been behind him. But like we said, it, I don't, I don't think it's in this. Is it in this era of of, of talent to to push for that and and, and want to promote? You know, oh, consider uh, this when when uh, they had the opportunity. To uh, when they when they were when they did the bubble, they had the opportunity then to kind of really have a true conversation about what the next move should be moving forward. But the machine used LeBron James to inspire everybody to get back in the game during COVID because they made people they made they they made the players feel like the people needed basketball more than they um safety and health. You see what I'm saying? Think about this for for a second because everybody else. Anybody who has the, the most countries that have the lowest COVID rates shut the fuck down when it was crucial. They, they were down, you know what I'm saying, two to six weeks. We didn't shut down shit. We just put restrictions. You know what I'm saying? It was still business as usual. I would I, I could go to Walmart and motherfuckers were still stocking shelves. Yeah, it was still, it was just, I think it was just like time limits, certain amount of time you could be places. And what it is is they sell us this narrative that nobody can afford to not get money. That's the narrative they plant. But see, they so what they're telling you is, is that is that the money is more valuable than your health, especially for poor people. It's like, nigga, if you miss this work, you ain't gonna get no money. And what's the point of being alive if you ain't getting no money? You know what I'm saying? That's the subliminal message, as opposed to saying, what's the point of getting money if you ain't alive to spend it? You know what I'm saying? You can't provide for your family if you're in, if you're in a hospital on a ventilator or if you're dead. Yeah, health is wealth. Health is if, wealth. If, our, if you if you don't if you aren't healthy enough to accumulate the cash, then how the fuck can you appreciate and and, and endure, grow, and be able to take care of the people around? How can you provide for people if you if you aren't healthy enough to do it? Yep, and that's a that's a that's the whole the juxtaposition to everything, man. Because like 
I use my job as an example, and I think we had this conversation last time before, like how they kind of got it where we they want us to uh they 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 have it set up. There's no mandate to go get vaccinated, but they're pushing for vaccination, or you get tested weekly. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you can buy your own test kit. Uh, you can, but you got to have you got to turn in your results on at a certain amount of time. And it's coming out your pocket to pay for those test kits. Now, the test kits range between like, I think, $50 to $150, depending on how rapid you want your results back and stuff like that. A lot of people opted out of the whole uh, vaccine. They, you know what I'm saying, got the test kit. Some people just outright quit because they don't want to feel like they're being fucking strong armed into making this type of calling decision. I'm a, I'm a fly on the wall, bro. I'm a motherfucker sitting in the skybox. I'm just watching people react to shit. I'm looking at the reasonable, reasonable rationale behind a lot of people's decisions. I know that everybody's motivated by something different. It's, it's 600 people who work at this company and of 600 people, I'm just one. You know what I'm saying? I know that everybody has their own motivations and, and the reason why I come to work ain't the reason why they come to work. Yeah, it's for the money, but the reason I need this money or I want this money ain't, it has nothing to do with them. You did know what I'm saying. So you take it on the on a larger scale. You look at it on the on a more on a uh, on a macro level because that was just the micro. We look at it on a macro level. You got people making these same types of decisions for far less money, and they're quitting jobs and they're making these. You know, what I'm saying some people ain't even quitting jobs. They're just going all in. They like they ain't even thinking about what vaccine they're gonna get. They just know that they can't afford not to get the money. You know, what I'm saying get the money. And you got people who who sit in the privileged state trying to trying to influence people who don't have those same type of privileges to their disposal on how to live their life. That shit ain't that ain't cool and it ain't fair and it's disingenuous. You know what I'm saying? Especially when people who got kids to feed, people who barely keeping a roof over their head, like we live in we this these are dubious times, but it ain't nothing new. I think that like a lot of people who like leaning more into like the the religious component saying, well this is the last days. The Bible called this out like what happened 100, 100 some years ago. What happened 30 years ago when y'all were saying that, you know, when, when dudes were getting people together in coats and taking them to their houses and burning their houses or shooting them, shooting these people or, or taking pills and everybody was dying. Yeah, I was saying that. Yeah, I was saying that then. I was looking at the TV uh, as a shorty and they were saying that, you know, that the world was going in. It was like, come on, man. Yeah, Enough for that. Enough of that. We don't know what the end of the world gonna look like and when it's gonna happen. It was all disingenuous, bro. And then everybody's like, "Well, the Bible said this." Well, the Bible said a lot of shit, bro. But you can't just pick and choose which which pieces. And keep in mind, Christianity hasn't been around as long as Islam. So, like, if we really want to start picking apart what what religious text actually says and and what it means, we we look we're viewing it from modern eyes. We're viewing old ancient scripture from from a modern perspective. From a group of people that won, finally won. Man, and on top of that, you take into account you learned this from somebody who, who, who learned this from somebody who learned this from somebody who said they love them. So, if your great grandmama, who who was taught this out of, out of fucking fear of retribution, decided to pass this down to her family, and your granddad for the same reason passed it down to his family, and now now you're just sitting in your lap. All you know is all you know is secondhand information with a book in your lap that you can barely even interpret because your interpretation is really already infused with with the with the 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 idea that your grandma 
got through her hard times because of it. you don't even know what what all else was influencing that. Yeah, and not just it influenced the music too, right? Because they made a whole bunch of music through through fear, you know. That's uh, why. That's why hip hop times. That's why hip hop exists, bro. Hip hop wasn't was it based on just turn up and let's let's catch a vibe. That shit wasn't. That was a, it was necessity. It was something that was, it was it wasn't shit else to do. That was the best way to raise the mood and get people to not think about the 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 situation. It was it was it was brought up from the dirt. So like now you got people who capitalizing on it and fucking up the whole the the, the nature of what the culture is because they weren't there. It's a, and, and and it was to be social political. It was to talk about the shit that yeah. was going on, how fucked up our environments was. Yeah, it helped. It helped. It was a help tool. It wasn't just some like I say. It wasn't just the vibe. It wasn't like hey, let's. Turn it got up. people together to say, yo, what can we do? Who can we talk to to try to fix this? Like maybe we should go march. Maybe we should go protest the situation that we're in because uh, we need we need we need resolution to these to the times that we're living in. But yep. um, the vibe is cool. Vibe vibing is cool. Like I'm 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 down with that. But it can't be the it can't be the main thing. You need the vibe. If it's not appealing, you won't listen. It's like sex. If sex don't feel good, you're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? If like imagine you take away the you take away the feeling component of sex, the fucking population dies. Nobody's well, fucking. Well, well, be the point. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing with music. Music is a the vibe. The vibe is the vibe. But where's the sustenance and where's the substance to it? Where's the where's the what's the point to it? If all you're talking about, if all your music, you're talking about how many niggas you kill. Niggas. Let me say I'm killing a million. You might want to beep this, but if I say I'm killing a bunch of faggots. Now <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole new conversation. You dig know what I'm saying? But I can say I'm killing a million niggas all I want. If I say I'm going to kill a million honkies, they shut me down. If I say I'm killing all these hoes and these bitches in these streets and women to be up in arms. But if I'm saying I'm killing niggas, they be like, hey, that's my shit. That's my joint right there. I love killing. I love when niggas get killed. Nigga, what, what's, what's part three of that song? Hell yeah, when, that, when the next joint come, yo, let me go look at their catalog. What's their last three songs look like? Right, for real. You know what I'm saying? The nigga killer trilogy. <laughs> trilogy. Man, the killer nigga band, bro. Straight up. And it's always like, get your bands up. Fuck these hoes. Fuck these niggas. I'm like, nigga, wait, what? Like, we we went from like uplifting, and we not that far removed, bro, because Cube was already on that. He was, he was, he left NWA and went straight on the positive streak. He went on a streak of actual upliftment and information. And somehow or another, but even behind Pac, Pac was on that. And somehow or another, we hit that, that, that point where it was like what they call the point of critical mass where shit changed that's where like uh i like to call it the the no limit era it's like where no limit wasn't negative at all in in the context of what their intent and their message was but it wasn't necessarily positive either it was like that that gray area no limit was the gray area of rap because prior to that i mean you had gangster nip he was talking about fucking eating motherfucking bodies and all this old crazy shit in his music but it was niche that shit was in the it was in the in a subcategory. Nowadays, he would man, dude, he would be the he would be the E forty of his time. Yeah, or he would be the YNW Melly or some shit. See what I'm saying? 
Think about that though, man. It's like, and it's like they kind of champion that kind of shit nowadays. They want to hear, they want to hear how dark a nigga life can get. And they think this shit, they think it's the realest shit. Oh, that nigga really killed his best friend and rolled around with their bodies in the trunk. Nigga, you ain't about it. You ain't disturbed by that. You want to see him in concert? You talking about free white? <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen. Another one. Another one. Think about this now. Think about it. You got to think about this. DMX made an album. It's dark and hell is hot, right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And one of the songs, I think it's X is coming for you. He said, and if you got a daughter over, what, 15? I'm a raper. Mm-hmm. Niggas loved X for that. Bro, they loved him for that, bro. Or they didn't pay attention to it. When Biggie said his nigga kidnapped kids, fuck them in the ass and toss them them over the bridge. Throw them over the bridge. Nigga, kidnap kids, fuck them in the ass and throw them over the bridge. My nigga. And niggas, and that's one of my favorite songs. What's (laughs) Biggie? When I first heard it, I was like, am I the only one in here that heard that? Only Same thing. I was, I was like, oh, or, this nigga's violent. Or when, when 50 said, uh, when he said, uh, when he said, he said, if I was you, you'd be shook at me. If, I, if you were smart, you'd be shook at me because I, if I get tired of looking for you, shoot your mama crib and let your ass look for me. Nigga. You know where we come from? That's real shit. This ain't just rap. No. Now, I, now I gotta come get you. Now I have to come looking for you. When a rapper puts that in his music, it changes the paradigm, bro. It's the energy, dog. It's the energy. And niggas champion that shit, nigga. That was my favorite song. Heat is my favorite song on that fucking album. It is that many man. That many man, bro. You know many what I'm man. But you know why those songs kind of resonate though, and it's outside of like. It's outside of relatability. It's about the the audacity. Songs that are audacious are the songs that people kind of gravitate towards, bro. It's the shock value, right? And I think Puffy spoke on that. I think Puffy spoke on that uh, one time. He was speaking. He said, when Big were right, or someone said that, it was like, when Big were right, Puffy said his, his words, his bars could never be predictable when he was writing. So when he would be writing, if he heard anything that sounded predictable, you tell him, you tell him to do it over. I mean, the nigga used to, he used to, he used a uh, a Richard Pryor line on me and my bitch. Where he said that, uh, he said something about, uh, you look so good, I suck on your daddy dick. Nigga, yeah, that was far fresh for me. I was like, oh, no. Like, pause. <laughs> like, chill, bro. Well, how you gonna open a song like that? <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, all right, next joint. Next joint, we ain't listening to that. Bro, but see, you see what I'm saying though? It's like that's how you know niggas are like really reaching. I think honestly, I don't I can't really recall. Maybe I think Cool G Rap was probably one of the first rappers to actually do that. Yeah. But he was one of the first rappers to do that. Um, and that's just from my recollection. And then Wu really went deep because of shit they were saying on their first album, though, bruh. Like them niggas was like, especially like uh Rizza, Meth, and, and ODB, and, and Ghost, them niggas were saying some wild shit on that album, bro. I can't remember. Dude. You have to jog. You have to jog my memory if you re- if you remember something. You have to think of some of the bars, bro, man. 
Hell, I just I just use the torture skit alone. The torture skit alone. And so your asshole shut and keep feeding you. I said hang you by your dick from a 12-story building. That's Raekwon said that. <laughs> like nigga, what? Shit, what do you say? Cut your balls off and beat them with a spike bat or some shit like that? Yeah, it's a yeah, hit you in your yeah, somebody pin your balls down and beat them with a spike bat. That's meth. Mm. shock value though exactly bro i mean think about it like this is like the rap game going in like these different directions to kind of be a little bit more marketable i would hell slick rick did it he, he opened the album with treat him like a prostitute the first song on the fucking album to me one of my favorite fucking songs of his though because it's like three different stories and like the way he, he was like uh here's an oldie but goodie hit it mm-mm He's like, uh, now your girl, she don't like to have sex a lot, but today she's ready and she's hot, hot, hot. She grabbed you by your chest and she grabbed you by your shirt and said, get on the floor. She trying, she want to try things she never tried before. Uh, he said something about, uh, she's somebody, uh, she on you like a dog and she works you over. You call her twinkles and you call her and she calls you Rover. Uh, he said something about, uh, in the next minute she starts to ill. She says, I love you, Harold, but your name is Will. <laughs> he says about, uh, he said, you try to blow it off and you start to ride her. You put, take off your rubber and there's one more inside her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 10 years old when I heard that song. <laughs> he said, it's not yours. Who can it be? I guess it was a slick rapper. His name is MC Ricky. <laughs> like this nigga wilder. So it's been there. It's been, you know, the shock value of rap been there for a while, bro. It's just the different elements, different approaches to it. And, and I won't even say that it's just, it's, it's just native to rap, but this is one of the things where like, because rap is spoken, you know what I'm saying? It's less, it's less likely you, you're able to hide some of that shocking shit. But when a song, like Michael Jackson sung a lot of wild shit, and uh, but because he was singing it the way like Billy Jean is a fucking crazy song, bro. It is. That's a fact. Yeah, and what's crazy, I didn't even realize he was singing about Billy Jean and most of the damn songs on that album. So that bitch must have been real. Yeah, they said it was a it was all built around um a, a chick or something, right? Or some experience he had with like a woman or, or, or two different women, and, and there was an issue that he had or something. Like she said she got knocked up by him and it was some sort of paternity situation and shit like that. So was it real or was it the was it the, the conceptional idea of Quincy Jones to do it? I believe it was based on a conversation that he had with Quincy Jones about his tour and the chick that said that he knocked her up and Quincy was like, well, we should probably like write about it. And they wrote like three or four songs. And then before you know it, they had like come up with the whole theme. Cause like, if you listen to that album though, bro, it's like each song is in some form of fashion addressing this broad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in my life. Uh uh what's the first song on that fucking album? Uh starting something. Yeah, th- yeah. <laughs> That's that the first song gotta be starting something is dedicated to her. <laughs> and, and he was singing that shit too. And he it, was singing that. Sure, that wasn't her real name, but that's the name they, you know, the pseudonym he went, he chose because of legal, re- you know, some reasons or whatever the fuck. Of course not. You want to share, and you want to share light on the situation, and, and then give her, give a person credibility at the same time. Thanks. Yeah, man, it's craziness. It's inter- It's interesting how entertainment kind of does that. 
You can, yeah. that's something you can do with music that movies, I mean, I guess it could be done in, in movies as well. It can well. be done in movies. But I think with music, because music is more imaginative, the listener can like just. And you kind of escape through the ears because it's just vis- it's just audio. You know, you, someone's talking directly into your ears and you're listening to the recording. Brain is just a canvas for them to kind of like paint. Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Right. What he say? What? Because Eminem said a whole bunch of uh, 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 shock and shit. You know, his career was ba- his early his the start of his career was based on shock value. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, him smut peddlers. Uh, who exactly. else was some crazy motherfuckers? Copyright used to say some wild shit. Um, shit. Uh, what's it? Uh, Quasar and the typical cats used to be on that shit too. Out of Chicago, yep. Uh, who else? Uh, that's a lot of them. It was it's like a lot, yeah. Shit, D to the S. Uh, who else? D to the S. Uh, psychodrama. Psychodrama. Uh, was it? It ain't Spice One. It, was it was Spice One or it's another one? Eighty-seven. Yeah. Young Bleed. Young Bleed might have been one of those two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bro, it was like, and that was like a thing because it even became like a subgenre with the whole uh horror core shit. Yeah, motherfucker, just trying to say the most outlandish shit that oh, you man. could think of. That's when it. That's when it became overt. That's when it just became in your face. It was like obvious at that point. It wasn't no subliminal shit. It was all kind of like in your face. Yeah, and if you were a guy like me and you, you had heard so much of it, you just kind of like, all right, who gonna say the next best thing? You know, like you got to come up with something else now because I've heard so much of it routinely. Yep. Absolutely. I can't. I'm trying to. I don't know about. Um, it's 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 too many to name, and then I can't even think of them off the top of my head, but. In that you do find yourself kind of escaping the actual reality and just listening to like what what is actually on their mind like how do they pin how do they pin these type of verses together and how do they come up with the type of material that um, the things that they say you know as a, a battle rapper does that Tink the Demon you ever you ever listen to him his breath control he needs to work on his breath control but some of the stuff that he be saying be gory and horrific but it's it's pretty you know some of it is dope. You take it to account like the shit we be, like when we do our uh our bar heavy battle type shit, it's, it's pretty much the same shit, but we don't go as deep into it. We don't go into the fantastical round too deep with it. We might say some over the top shit just to kind of make the bars pop out, but it ain't like that's what we lean on. Cause Royce does that shit, man. Shit, Royce does that a lot, man. He say like a lot of little wild shit kind of what he did when he was really in that bag, but now he's a little bit more in, introspective in his raps. Man, he can he can put some words together though, man. That motherfucker, that's a that brother can really put some words together, man. Yeah. And makes sense in the process. Like not just not just lyrical, miracle, spiritual, but lyrical ideas. Yes, defining depth, like actual having meaning and shit like that. Messages if you follow it. Not all the time, but there are times when you listen, like, yo, he really just put this whole bar together. And he was actually t- like telling a story or talking about um, black history or, or 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 what's wrong in the ghetto and things like that. Like the shit, I'd be like, "Yo, this attacking him is is not a good idea unless you know how to withstand that type of firepower." I think that's kind of like the reason why, like, uh, like the rap audiences are so polarized because, like, this go back to like when Royce 
it was earlier this summer when Royce and Lupe fell out. And uh, the shit that Lupe said, no, the shit that Royce said Lupe thought was over the top. And he kind of like stopped fucking with him. They fucking stopped doing podcasts together and all that shit behind it. What was it? What what, what was said? Uh, they, they, all right, they were, let me give you some context. So Ransom, uh, uh, RJ Payne and somebody else did a song together and they, they dropped it. And, uh, and Royce was like, uh, cause, uh, Ransom said that, uh, I'm the best nigga alive, best rapper alive or some shit like that. Or Benny the Butcher said it, some shit like that. And you no, know, Royce being competitive is like, well, uh, let's have that conversation talking shit. They started having like a few days, like back to back. It was all of them lyrical niggas. Uh, Mickey Fax was kind of like mediating it and shit like that. And they having this conversation about like uh, checking off boxes like, as a lyrical rapper. If you're a rapper and you're a rapper's rapper, you got these boxes you check off of like different skill sets you have. You got flow, cadence, wordplay, double entendres, punchlines, blah, blah, blah. They're just going down a list and shit like that. And uh, uh, Lupe was like, nigga, stop talking about it. Let's just rap. If you want to do it, let's just rap. Stop talking. Let's rap. And Royce was like, nigga, you rap. And Lupe like, I rap for money. And he's like, well, what you talking about then? Why are you even coming in the conversation? Blah, blah, blah. So they going back and forth. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Royce thinking it's all just, you know what I'm saying? Banter amongst peers and shit. And uh, bravado. Yeah. And he calls Lupe out and Lupe did a little quick freestyle and he kind of like subliminally dissed Royce in some lightweight way. So Royce was like, oh, it's what we doing. So Royce getting, got in the booth and dropped this song. I can't remember the name of that motherfucker. And uh, Royce kind of went nuts and he said some shit about uh, uh, shoot, shoot your shoot your holding your son while he holding his son chips. <laughs> Lupe ain't got no kids but he kind of like nigga kids die every day like that in the city bro we don't, I don't play like that so Lupe kind of like got off into some emotional shit over it so he responded back with probably one of the coldest fucking freestyles bro I can't remember the name of it oh shit man I could, I could google it cause that shit ain't hard to find man I'm gonna have to look it up and check it out myself though uh cause and uh, I don't be following all that shit. It was on Instagram, dog. It was just on Instagram Live, bro. Them niggas was going back and forth. And then all of a sudden, that shit spilled over into actual fucking diss records and shit. And Mickey Fax got dragged into it, too, because him and Lupe tight. Mm. And he got a son. And then uh, when he asked Royce, he was like, what was up with that line? He said, you know how, uh, you know how Lupe is about stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, what was that line about? And then Royce was like, shit. It was just a bar, dog. He was like, I, he said it was a, a dope ass bar, and I put it in there. He was like, "What's that song?" He said, "What's that? What's that bar about anybody sp- particularly?" He said, "Shit, if you want it to be about you, it's about you." And then, uh, <laughs> nigga, it sounded like the motherfuckers kind of setting this nigga up, man. And and Mickey Fax was like, "Oh, word." He was like, "Yeah, nigga, if you wanted to be about you, he said it was just a bar." But everybody's so hung up on that line. He said, "Shit," he, he said, "You got a son, right?" He was like, yeah. He said, so if you want that bar to be about you. <laughs> my nigga. Uh, right behind that shit. That nigga 
that nigga uh Mickey came back with the coldest fucking reply. That nigga Royce never started rap. He never rapped again behind that. Royce was like, you know what, we good. Really? And Royce was like, we good. He said, because I see this going in a dark place and I don't want to go there with y'all. And uh he just never responded to it in that way. They still continued the conversation, but he never dropped another, another record. But I believe that he probably should have. I just for my entertainment. For your entertainment, but you know. They could have just went song for song for the for the rest of the summer, and that would have been my verses. I don't, you know what I'm saying? I I'd have enjoyed that as a verses because them niggas was rapping, rapping. So, but I don't. So I'm not that uh, keen to Mickey Facts, but I do know Royce. But Royce would love that. He would love that. You know that he he would love to get into that bag, but maybe for for him to just chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Is probably like the best. Maybe him sliding back is the older Royce, much mature now. He probably just was like, Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep doing that because I mess around and want to slap the shit out of one of y'all. Or y'all to get offensive if I start going, if I really start going off. Cause drunk Royce was a motherfucking problem too. If anybody was listening to bar exam, sound like that nigga was drinking heavily. Um, I'm gonna send you, I'm gonna send you what. Just a couple of the songs. Send it. Send that shit. I want to hear. I want to hear because. Uh, so what I do remember, what I remember is seeing a post. Huh. I saw a post from Royce where he was talking about he was talking about Lupe Fiasco, mm-hmm. and and he was saying that you know yeah yeah I make it seem like y'all want to be lyrical niggas and then when niggas start doing lyrical sons and start talking, then y'all want to be gangsters and y'all get y'all feelings hurt. He was saying something like that. He's like y'all know good and goddamn well. That don't no, don't none of y'all want to get into no shit like that where people you know guns come out and shit like that. So I don't know what happened, but I was like, oh shit, something spilled over. Somebody didn't say something, but yeah. Um, as long as you shit like you, for me, I, I kind of feel the way you feel. As long as y'all keep it rap, but let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, bro. It was let's like, keep that shit rap, my G. I think um, Lupe's first song was called Steve Jobs because. Mm-hmm. Royce kept calling him a nerd rapper. So Lupe kind of like played off of that. And that was that freestyle shit he did. And then uh uh Royce's retort to that was silence of the lambda. Like revenge of the nerds, the lambda, lambda, lambda shit. So it's like the silence of the lambda. I wouldn't know, I never watched uh it's like the context of it was crazy. I'm gonna just send you. The, I'm gonna send you Lupe shit real quick. Yeah, man. It's like one of them things, bro. Where it's like, for the culture, man, that shit was dope. But I get it. As men, niggas ain't necessarily trying to find out how serious the beef is when you really fuck with a nigga like that. And Lupe was like, "Look, bro. Like, I fuck with you as a rapper, but we never even really met in person." And I was like, I didn't even know they never met in person. So what type of shit? Is, so the, what the fuck? I'd have kept, man, he should have just kept going. So, so it sounds like motherfuckers got a little bit too emotional then. That's what I said. Sounds like motherfuckers got emotional once Royce put, uh, decided to enter the room with some real, with a real dope ass verse or some uh, or a song. I don't, like I said, if, if you challenging Royce, man, you get to come with the shits. All yeah. of it. Like you got to push everything on the table. But I'm, I, I tell you like this, though, man, this was like the clash of two apex predators when it comes to this rap shit, though, bro. Like, I don't know. Like, I fuck with Lupe, dog, because I, I I get his brain. I, I know how he put fucking words together. 
the way he fucking structure his his songs and shit like that, the way his brain fucking works when it comes to like creating those verses and the wordplay he's able to conjure up. And he's a real freestyler. He ain't just one of them niggas who gonna get on a radio show and just spit a hot 32 bars he had in the tuck. He gonna spit off the top of the dome and that shit gonna be cohesive as fuck. He one of them, he a brainiac in that way. So he's like what they consider one the alien. He's an alien. You know what I'm saying? So this is alien versus alien because you know how Royce is. Royce is a monster, dude. Like, there ain't no question about it. But then, like, Mickey facts. I don't know. I don't know much about Mickey. I, I know about Lupe and I know about Royce. I'm going to just send you a song. I will let you do the rest of the research on your own. I'm going to just send you this last one. But you also know for me as a lyricist and a songwriter, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not easily impressed, bro. You do, know. you, you know that i already know that's me too bro that's me too I, but the, again it's all entertainment to me you know what i'm saying i was like i'm listening to it because i've never i never imagined that this day in rap i would see some lyrical niggas especially nowadays bro like everybody right now like friends and all this old goofy shit you know what i'm saying niggas like niggas super politically correct and nobody really out here trying to you know what i'm saying don't nobody want to smoke Right across no lines and everything. Yeah. And and again, like I know I get where Lupe being from the city, his mentality on certain shit, but he had to like on the other side of that, he had to he had to kind of like I call cap on it because bro, you you don't even live in the city no more. You live in fucking California. What the fuck you talking about? Do you know what I'm saying? That's how I viewed it. Like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? You ain't even you ain't even native there no more. You've been out of the city down there 10 years. You're taking what 10 years to be a native new to somewhere else yeah and then, and then to be offended by by verses when you knew motherfuckers was 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 rapping you knew it was rap so how does it how does it get that far so i sent you lupe shit i and you could the rest of you'll be able to find it because they, they they youtube links i sent you so when you go open them youtube links it's gonna take you right to roy shit okay okay i, I i'll dig in i'll dig in but i would love to have seen that like you know as far as rap goes, uh, you know, the, the Chicago, Detroit uh, factor in it. I would love to have seen them motherfuckers go back and represent for the Midwest. I think that uh, it's a it's a ego component that that exists in that realm of rapper that I feel like is kind of childish, though. Because when it comes down to it, like, yeah, you want to be the best rapper and shit like that, but you look like a cornball to your peers if you really don't if you don't reel it in, you know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nothing wrong with the bravado aspect and you're talking your shit, you know what I'm saying? But nigga, if, if, if most of your bars is gun bars and all this old shit, and you talk doing all this tough talk on Instagram live, I mean, anybody who don't know and they just witnessing it from the outside looking in, you look like some old ass cornballs. <laughs> I mean, it just really just look like I understand that. that I, but it's entertainment, though, right? Yeah, I and I get the whole the competitive component to it because I'm a I'm gonna say I'm a lyricist and you know I'm saying I'm a wordsmith, and I get like the idea of being, uh, you know, what I'm saying you kind of like want to put you know, say draw a line in the sand. I'm like, nah, nigga, I'm the best at this shit. Uh, if you want, if you want smoke, come come try me, blah blah blah. But when a nigga actually come bring the work. And, and drop, you know, and drop the, the body at your feet and say, "You asked for this, right?" You know, like clean it up. It's up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
like Lupe, Lupe put in the work, but I think that he he took that line too personal. And he he know if he if he did his any of his homework on Royce like he's supposed to, he he would know that this is what Royce is capable of. Man, listen, that's why when you first said it, I was like, oh, you know, this is war. Yeah. And I get it, like in this day and age, because especially like if you have some sort of uh if you have like some sort of social political uh position when it comes to like the the violence in Chicago or any other metropolitan city, you kind of take you take special you take a special account for like those types of scenarios that play out, especially with all the bodies that be dropping in the city alone. I hear that and I I have the empathy for that, but we, we talking music. You know where we are with this conversation. You know what I'm saying? If anything, instead of t- it, it turn that offense into something, weaponize that offense lyrically, as opposed to like just destroying the, the, the momentum of your podcast with this this brother who actually who was helping you build this brand because it was a it was a lucrative it was a dope ass podcast and it was a good conversation they shit was just like what we're doing now over zoom and they had a moderator it was him it was royce lupe and this white guy and the white guy was pretty much the dude who probably facilitated the whole thing who helped come up with the whole idea or whatever and it was just in his i think dude name was tom frank and they was all just had these conversations and they would talk about all these different topics and stuff like that and it was the juxtaposition of mentalities between Royce and Lupe that made that shit interesting because you find out personality-wise who these dudes are through the way they had their conversations and they banter. Like people listening to me and you talk, they can tell there's some differences here. Mm-hmm. They know that the similarities and the differences kind of complement each other. And it's the same thing with them. But for that bar to be the tipping point lets me know that there was something else going on. That maybe there was some more subtle disrespects that was occurring that never got addressed until that point. It might have been. Uh, well, like I said, it could have been a setup. Yeah. It could have been a setup, and then they didn't know that Royce was going to actually, the response that he was going to have was going to be at that level, but Royce is a steamroller, man. Like, I, I don't, how do you not know? Like, if you've been doing rap for that long, 10 years, whatever, you've been in the industry, you've been around, you heard his name, this is motherfucker that did Tick, Tick, Boom. Nigga a boom, just, I should say. Nigga got nominated for a Grammy for uh his allegory album. You know what I'm saying? This is a nigga that sits in a room and writes back and forth and has verses with Eminem. Nigga, nigga wrote for Puffy and Dre. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you play with? You thought you were gonna go in there and and like slap this guy around? And he wasn't gonna slap you back. Matter and, of fact, put a knife in your head. And I, another thing, though, bro. Like the way I view it is like this though. Again, it, we're talking two apex predators, two top of the food chain lyricists, man. It's like anybody who know, anybody who know better know that this wasn't gonna end. It, even if it wasn't that petty shit that ended it, it wasn't gonna be like an amicable ending to it in a way where like, cause I don't think that like Royce is more uh, hyper, hyperbolic in his rhymes. You know what I'm saying? He talks more hyperbole. He does a lot of alliteration and all these figures of speech, you know what I'm saying, to kind of build up his bars and shit like that. Everybody has like their strong suit. So he, he's like, he's word heavy with his uh, his his, his uh, streams of consciousness when he raps. So he, when he's spitting, he's, he's chaining together these thoughts that all come to one concise notion. Lupe is super fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intellectual. 
You know what I'm saying? He's a super intellectual dude, but he can talk that shit. So when he's putting them, them lines together, uh, he has say some shit. I'm trying to think of a bar that Lupe said. Man, dude, he got so many fucking lines, though. Uh, shit. It, hell, the, 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 the song Mural Alone is like a fucking... That's a case study for like just him fucking around. But can we really call him an apex predator if he backed off? Royce backed off. Royce backed off. Royce backed off. Royce backed off. Because Lupe was like, look, nigga, <laughs> that line right there, it offended me. And he's like, if we're going to go here, it's going to get real muddy. And mm. Royce, I think Royce backed off to kind of like salvage the relationship more than anything because he could tell that Lupe really took offense to that. But at the same time, Royce was like not affected in that way because Royce says do what Royce do. You know what I'm saying? Because that's why when 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 Mickey Fax asked him about the bar, he was like, shit, if, it, if you wanted to be about you, it's about you then. You know what I'm saying? He was like, whoever want that bar, said, I'll fucking gift wrap and just hand it to you. You want it. Have y'all so hung up on it? Did he did Royce ever say why he why he just chose to back off? He he essentially was like, look, bro. He said, I ain't, he said, I'm just trying to rap. He said, I ain't, he said, whatever. He said, I don't, I'm not here for the extra shit. I'm trying to rap. He said, nigga. He said, uh, he said, I, I, he said, I, I can fight. He said, but we ain't talking about fight. We're talking about rapping. He said, if niggas want to, he said, I'm not trying to take it somewhere. It don't need to be with somebody I give a fuck about. You did what I'm saying? He said, if I, he said, if Lupe took offense to it and that wasn't my intention to offend him, then I'm going to just step away from this and just let y'all niggas have it because apparently niggas want to see something. You know what I'm saying? At this point, now it's, it's more for the entertainment of motherfuckers who just want to see the world burn. You did what I'm saying? Versus the competitive nature of what the conversation was about. I wish they would have kept it there at the competitive nature where we can see where we can hear um, a, a two guys or three guys. I, again, I'm not, I don't, I don't know much about Mickey Facts, but Bro, we, could, we, could hear, <clears throat> we can hear Lupe and Royce go back and forth and test shit up. Bro, you gotta hear Mickey Facts response, bro. This, I've, I've heard, I've seen Mickey Facts do uh, URL battles. I never got into his music, but I've heard him do features. You know what I'm saying? But this shit, he did a song called uh, Wraith. And the cover art is like a, 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 a wraith that's on fire in the middle of a neighborhood. It's burned down and shit like that. Mm. But the lyrical dexterity this nigga exhibited, he ain't, he, you know, there's tears. And I feel like the top of the food chain for me would be like Royce, Crook, Lupe, Black Thought, you know what I'm saying? These are like the these are the niggas at the top of the food chain. But that next line down, that next motherfucking line down, Mickey Fax, Joe Button, Joel Ortiz, uh, Benny the Butcher, uh, Conway the Machine, them niggas is right there, and them niggas really like clawing at that top line. If if anybody in that top decide to just retire or just quit, that top finna get flooded with the niggas I just named. Strictly based on their ability and their tenacity when it comes to like lyricism and shit like that. Benny the Butcher and Conway is nice, bro. Yeah, the motherfuckers is nice. When I'm talking like, and it's and, and it's like the imagination of a writer. 
It ain't necessarily the kind because like you think about what Benny the Butcher and, and Conway rap about. It ain't even about what they rap about. It's their ability to rap about what the fuck they rapping about. Like, nigga, how do you make selling coke sound so cool? Yeah. And <laughs> the but the lyrical prowess to do it. Like not yeah. just that, yo, I sold four keys made, blah, 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 blah. It's the 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 <laughs> way that they put that shit together. Yeah. And under that tier, underneath that, the third tier. And I'm like hard pressed even because Ransom could easily be up there with them niggas, but it ain't no room for a nigga like Ransom, for RJ Payne, for, you know what I'm saying? And them niggas is hard. Them niggas is dope. Crime Apple. There's a bunch of these little niggas who just, who lyrical as fuck and they talk that shit. But when you got the, when you got the top dogs, like, first of all, any, any room that Black Thought enters, it's already elite. Yeah, you he know, sucks the life out the room. I, I didn't even I didn't even name M because I you can't M is in a different world in terms of because he's a superstar. If you take away the superstar element, now he's kind of like clawing for top and second tier in terms of lyricism because the nigga can rap okay. his okay. He can rap his ass off. Okay. It's just that because he does pop music now that he has no drive, there's no reason for him to be the lyrical miracle dude. The last two albums is him kind of like saying, look, I still got it, but ain't nobody checking for him now. No, and that was because that's outside I was going to ask you about. I don't I don't hear it when I be listening to him. I don't and, be hearing it. You see what I'm saying? And the reason, and it's just because he, he he's not in that, that world no more. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're still in that world and it's like if you if you're in that, if you move in them circles, it's the same. You can say the same thing with any type of superstar rapper like Kanye, Drake, Jay. Them niggas like you could say they still got it. But if you compare anything they do now to what they did and they if they peak, you know, that it ain't the same. You know what I'm saying? So like M is nowhere near where he. Where he's supposed to be, but superstardom took him outside of that that realm. They did the same thing to Ye. They did the same thing to Jay. Did the same thing to Drake. Like Drake, there was a time where everybody was talking about Drake. You know what I'm saying? In the in the game, we're talking Quali, Nas, all these niggas like really bigging this kid up, and he's a superstar now. And there's like little left to talk about because he's not doing what made him the conversation no more. Now it's just all about pop records. Now it's just about selling records. And when that element gets introduced into it, it takes the competitive edge away because he's too exposed. When you when you have all that exposure, you can't compete on that level, bro. That's why Lupe. That's why Lupe left the, the major la, uh, label fucking realm so he could get back to writing bars the way he want to write them. He ain't want to keep on fucking writing superstar and shit like that, even though he can do it. And that was a lyrical fucking song. That album was dope too, though. That was a dope ass album. But if that you think a... like the the trajectory he was going on, like Lasers was supposed to be his pop album, and that's the album he did not want to put out. I don't and even the... remember. I don't even know if I have that album or if I listened to that album after the first or second uh, listen. I, th- I think I listened to it ever, like ever so often. I probably like when I got my earbuds in and I'm at work, I probably picked that album just to listen to it because I hadn't heard it in a while. And there's some, some jams on there, but you can hear that that machine behind it. Oh yeah, you can hear, you can hear the, the pop element is all through there. The same way with that Slaughterhouse album, when they released that, that pop out, that pop element was was just seething, it, breathing all through there, man. That's why Joe left. That's why Joe walked away. A lot of people think that Joe walked away because he hate him, but he hate the machine. That's why he put right behind that. He put out uh, "Rage Against the Machine." 
Mm, I didn't see. I didn't know that because I never been big on uh, Joe Budden. Dude, I mean, I, I I talk my shit about Joe Budden as a rapper, but dude can rap his ass off. Okay. Can, <clears throat> I I always talk shit because I feel like I can rap better than him. <laughs> I'm on, on some real shit, bro. I mean, just like, and he's no. Like, I'm laughing because you 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 you're making a point because I don't listen to Joe Budden, but I I've been around you and I've I've heard your work. I, I know. You know what I'm saying? I I feel like I don't have the I don't have the constraints the industry would put on an artist that has the potential to be a pop star. You know what I'm saying? I I've been around them. I know what those rappers look like. I know what they sound like. I can tell that when Joe came out, Joe came out at a time where it was crucial for Dev Jam to try to have a hit. He gave them that hit, but the game was changing and he got caught in the mix because they were, you know what I'm saying? Jay was just about to pick up the, the, the mantle as president of Dev Jam. All this shit happened and it kind of like turned his career upside down, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, Slaughterhouse. But don't also remember that Jay got on that beat too, that pump it up beat and did that freestyle or that those bars he dropped bars over that shit and that didn't help no because the thing is is like he asked jay to get on the song and jay told him nah but ended up doing it himself anyway correct and that's what kind of fucked up the whole relationship and made joe feel some kind of way about it as opposed to him looking at it as a promotional tool he was kind of being young and being competitive he kind of viewed it as being disrespected yeah you know what I'm saying? Again, that's that that's that that ego shit, man. When you're when you're a rapper, when you're a rapper who 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 competitively go in like that, you don't you don't have the clarity of thought to say, you know what? Maybe I need to be a little bit more objective and view this right. from more. Yeah, you just go into attack mode. Um, yeah, the other guy that you named in that top apex, um, pyramid, Crooked Eye would probably be my favorite. I don't think nobody fucks with Crooked Eye. And that the way that man used fucking the way he like he don't he he structure he structure rhyme schemes he's a scheme artist he like he'll take whole sentences and rhyme every fucking syllable for fucking thirty bars and and it all be cohesive and make sense it'll be like a whole it's almost remind I don't know if you ever listened to Jedi Mind Tricks yes yes uh, the way Vinnie Paz structure bars. That's like crooked is that nigga on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super because I was gonna say, nah, crooked is a lot better, but yeah, crooked eyes is a, a fucking problem. Um, those two pro- projects he did, like they like they were raging against the machine or whatever, fighting back. The lyricism, the cadence, the way he put the syllables. I was like, dude, how, how do you put anybody in a room with them and and, and they and- survive if they can't keep up? He was him. They say that he was the one that kind of like pushed the 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 songs for their earlier work. He's the one that like drove everybody to up their pen game. Royce was the one to kind of like always. He was always gun bars, gun bars, and niggas had to get, get him out of that. Joe got him out of that. You know what I'm saying? I told him like, man, we got to rap about something else, bro. I mean, you gonna talk about your dick and these guns? That's how you talking. About- <laughs> <laughs> We are like, we can't keep doing that one, dog. <laughs> and kind of got, that's what kind of like inspired Royce to kind of like explore working with Primo and shit. You know what I'm saying? To kind of like expand his his imagination a bit. Because, you know, when you go competitive, you go with your, you know what I'm saying? There's low hanging fruit at that point. 
You know what I'm saying? It's easy to talk about the shit you're usually used to talking about, but when you're in a competitive space and you have to occupy this space with other competitive motherfuckers, you gotta step it up. You have yeah. to step it up because you can do you can easily do what you do and get away with it and sound dope at it. But when there's other motherfuckers in the room, yeah. When someone says we're gonna do a song about toilet paper, can you step up and do a song about toilet paper? Yeah. I think like the the way the hierarchy works in that group, crooked is the he's the the he's the body of it you know what i'm saying he's the body he's all the vital organs he's everything that 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 feeds all the other extremities you know what i'm saying royce would be the head because royce was like the, the 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 mind behind it all he was the the he was the business mind behind it all you know what i'm saying and, and i think uh joe was the legs he helped kind of like move it forward because he was the reason slaughterhouse got together in the first place and then Joel would be the arms. Now Joel being the weakest link, though, like, like you need your legs to move around. You could lose an arm. You know what I'm saying? You need. I'll say this: I think I'll pick Joel over Joe Budden. I, I would, I want to. As a, as a, as a rapper and lyricist, I'm, I'm going with Joel Ortiz. I want to, but uh, Joel don't have a move, move, move music. Uh, collection, bro, and the move music collection is fucking. Dude, I be, I be on that. Like just when I'm in my, when I'm at work and I'm like in the lab, I put on Mood Music 3 and I'm like in it. When I okay. put on Joel, like Joel is a good introspective artist, but it's like, he don't have the range that Joe has, the maturity. Okay. But again, it's all about technical ability too. So like Joel is probably more technical than Joe is. You know what I'm saying? Like Joe's imagination and his ability to kind of like, paint a picture with his words is probably way more robust than Joel. You know what I'm saying? So like, it depends on what you, what you in it for. Like I could probably, I like, if I want to just, if I just want to hear straight bars and hear a nigga go crazy, it's going to be crooked all day. Yeah. Yeah. But if I want to hear some introspective shit, I'm not going to crook because his introspective song sometimes be too complex for what he rapping about. And that's just because that's just not his thing. No, because he going to bar it up. Bar it up. So that's where Joe comes in. If I want to hear like a combination, like I think again with Royce being the head, Royce is a little bit more well-rounded. He can he he takes a little bit of what each one of them dudes can do. But again, he probably couldn't do that if he wasn't in that environment because it'd all be my dick and my guns. <laughs> I mean, you heard Bar Exam, you heard the songs. All that shit was about taking your bitch, fucking your bitch. Getting drunk and shooting guns. And shooting guns, yeah. I loved it, though. That bar exam was tough. All three of them. All three of them, bro. All three of them. Well, he did a bar exam four, but, you know, that, that, that was decent. But those those first three was crazy. Yeah, bar exam three was my shit. Two was hard, too, though. With the, Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that was the, probably the one that really just, like, that cemented him. You know I mean, that's when, like, that's when he was going through that little dry spell, trying to figure some shit out. Before he put out uh, Tabernacle. Yeah, that nigga was drunk, drinking a lot too. That Street Hop album he had, that was a dope album too. I I, I enjoyed that album. His first album, right? Street Hop? No, that was like, Rock he did that. Rock City was his first one, right? Yeah, Rock City was. Okay. Street Hop was his second one there. Yeah, I think so. I think, did he come out before or after Bar Exam? Either way, that shit was tough. I think it came out before Bar Exam 1. Either way, that shit was tough. Yeah. 
but yeah, Royce definitely kind of like you can. He's one of the few artists where I could say like I watched his uh, transition and growth and maturity as a as an artist. Indeed, I agree. Because I listened to uh, the Book of Ryan probably more than I should, bro. Because I, I don't even listen to a lot of rap right now. It's like a lot of old school shit. And I when I do dig into my bag of shit that I'm listening to, the Book of Ryan be on that on that list. Oh. That's probably like the most modern album that and uh uh what's that hit boy and uh Benny the Busher album. I listen to that. I have to check that one out because I haven't listened to that. I Man, I've been mostly been focusing on the podcast, trying to learn audio and yeah. trying to find time myself to uh put some craft some rhymes together because I got some heat from Smith and I got some heat from um Sir Ethics and I got I got work to do. I have some work to do. But the thing for, for anybody that's listening, it's different when you're not writing and you're doing something else and then you have to put your mind back into that creative mindset to start crafting rhymes and and, and, and having concepts, topics, and issues to, 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 to write about and discover all over again. And I'm not quite there. That's how it is with me right now. It's like, I, I can I, I scribble bars. I got bars on my phone. I got my notepad that's sitting on my desk over here. And I just come up with these lines and I uh you know what I'm saying I kind of like cobble together some some verses and shit like that to see what what sticks. But I know how my writing habits are. I know I, I'm always consistently writing something, but I, I right now I'm in a in a space where all my songs gotta be like inspired by something. Yes. I can I can't like I can probably go into my old my my old bag of like just writing braggadocious bars about how I beat a nigga ass and I'm the best rapper and all this other shit, but that's like, it don't fulfill me because I'm good at that. Yeah, like when you conquer that lane and you know what that is, that's not, that's not, uh, that's not as fulfilling as as coming up with something that actually has some, uh, some depth to it, you know, something that has right. originality and is like rich with content, some actual content, like. If I can, if I can implement the same level of detail in an introspective song or a song about anything other than how dope I am as a rapper that I would use in a song about how dope I am as a rapper, then I know I've actually achieved it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I can, I can, I can structure a fucking battle verse. I, you know what I'm saying? I come from that. I can structure battle verses and, and like say some clever witty shit and, and double and triple entendre niggas to death. But if they're, if I'm not talking about nothing that'll leave a nigga sitting there wanting to hear some more, then I feel like I was just wasting my time and I wasted that the listeners' time. Yeah, and those are the songs that that I, I value more. I value more. Like when I write like that, like the songs I did, Shattered Dreams and shit like that. Those are the songs where I feel a little bit more connected to what I'm doing, and I feel more accomplished when I give those type of songs the attention mm-hmm. uh, and the depth, and, and, and they're rich. Like for me, I can see. I can see those things more, you know, like they, they have actual meaning to me, Shattered Dreams and all those songs that I wrote like that. Anything with like a concept, a topic or issue right. where I feel like I'm where I feel like I'm conquering something or I'm talking about something that people can actually relate to. Uh, those those songs mean a little bit more to me. Yeah, those songs tend to have a little bit more value to them because there's some there's a personal connection to it. There's, you know what I'm saying? In some form or fashion. It ain't necessarily got to be like an in-depth emotional bond to it, but it's something that you're drawing from that kind of like inspired that record. Yeah, absolutely. And it did. It did, it did it, quite a few of those songs like that did, you know? All right. But hey, man, I think we good. 
Definitely. I got to piss anyway, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to go ahead and stop it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode, The Link Up, Critical Mass, Music Therapy. Absolutely, man. You know how we do. Yep. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Yes, sir. I'm saying we're going to link up. Peace.